the detriment that our sin has on our lives, we would deal with it much differently. Sin is pleasurable for a season, so we like to play with it. We like to get close to it. We like to examine it because we really want to do it. But we instead need to run for our lives. That's what Jesus said. If your right hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Chop it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Pluck that baby out. Sin is like cancer, or more like eating candy. Candy tastes good, it's fun to eat, but at the same time, there are microbes that are eating away at your teeth. (laughs) And if you don't take care of your teeth, you'll find that they have become weak and rotted. Pastor Daniel's teaching today is going to address the danger of letting sin take root in our lives by showing what happened to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't let sin ruin you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Genesis chapter 19 as he continues his message, Sodom and Gomorrah. See, if the resurrection is true, that Jesus rose bodily from the grave after being dead for a way longer time than any sort of shock to the heart can bring him back, and he ascended bodily into heaven, and him coming back is no problem at all. But when we say, listen, God is going to hold you accountable for your life because your life is that important to God. When you say that to someone, they say, that's nuts. You must be out of your mind. You're joking, right? Lot experienced the same thing. And I want to encourage you not to be afraid of the court of public opinion. I think for too long, Christians have been scared of people not liking their opinions, so we don't share them. But if you watch pop culture, the court of public opinion moves really fast. I remember there was a time when Britney Spears was the darling of the pop world, and then she became a big joke to the pop world. Barack Obama got elected and was one of the most popular presidents for the first six months. And now he's the least popular president. I mean, the court of public opinion moves so fast. And we have to, as the people who put our faith and trust in God, believed in Jesus, the only person that it really matters what he thinks is God. And we're so busy fearing everybody, fearing this person will like me. The, The only person we should really be fearing is God. And God, what's your will? What's your heart? What do you think, God? And we need to throw all the other concerns to the wind. So you know what? I realize that you may not like that opinion. I realize that's a minority opinion. But you know what? I'm going to love on people in Jesus' name, and I'm going to hold to biblical morality, and I'm not going to worry about it. Lot's son-in-laws thought that they were out of their minds. Now in verse 15, when the morning dawned, The angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while they lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass in verse 17, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. 
Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know, my lords. Now, you see what's going on here? They're going to destroy the city. They told him to get out at night. Now it's the morning. And they have to take Lot out of the city. And what's the application? Be obedient without delay. Lot is dragging his feet. He's freaked out. He's not following well. And when we see Abraham being simply obedient, we say, yes. When we see someone dragging their feet, we're like, look at this. This is not what we want to be. Lot should have been long gone by the time morning came, but he was dragging his feet. So for you today, what are you dragging your feet on? What is the thing that God has asked of you that you are going slow on? I'd say, Lord, give me a good swift kick in the rear and get me going. And I hope I can talk with you guys that way. Because sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need someone to say, hey, listen, let's get this thing going. What are we waiting for? What's the problem? God has said, do this, let's do it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not worry about it. Let's not drag our feet. It's interesting. In the middle of all this, it talks about how they took him by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. I love this. The Lord is being long-suffering with Lot. Just the way the Lord is long-suffering in his judgment. See, God is not capricious. God is not like kind of uh, just off his kilter where one minute he's happy, one minute he's sad. God is slow to anger. So God's judgment is not like flying off the handle when someone cuts him off when he's driving. God is long-suffering. He's waiting. He's looking for repentance. He's working for repentance. But there comes a time when it's time. And even though Lot's delaying, those angels just take Lot by the hand. They brought him out of the city. They said, listen, get out of here. Escape for your life. And I think that's a good, good teaching for us. Sin, escape for your life. John Owen said it this way, you are either killing sin or sin is killing you. And we need to think about our own individual struggles in this light. You need to run for your life. Joseph did it. Remember Joseph? Jacob's favorite son, we're going to get to this in a couple months probably, when he was in jail and he ended up in Potiphar's house, a young man. In that culture, he would have been married a long time ago, but he was sold into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's house, not a married man, good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife made a strong pass at him. And in that culture, someone like Potiphar didn't have an ugly wife. And Joseph, instead of giving in to that temptation, he ran for his life. He ended up in jail because of it. But he did not mess around. And see, if we realize the detriment that our sin has on our lives, we would deal with it much differently. Sin is pleasurable for a season. So we like to play with it. We like to get close to it. We like to examine it because we really want to do it. But we instead need to run for our lives. That's what Jesus said. If your right hand causes you to sin, what should you do? Chop it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Pluck that baby out. Now, God is not a God of amputation. But what he's saying is deal ruthlessly with your sin. Don't play around with it. Don't chill out. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. 
Life and death are at stake. And you are either killing it or it is killing you. But the person who plays with the fire gets burned. And at the very least, smells like smoke. And I think that as people who follow Jesus, we need to take this seriously. Because it was so serious that God sent Jesus to die a brutal death on a cross for you and for me. And we don't want to play with sin. These angels come to Lot and they say, listen, run for your life. And would to God that we would be people with whatever our struggles are, that we would run for our lives. That we would see it as life and death. This is not just playing around, just, hey, I'm going to, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And if you ever wonder, is it really a big deal? Just look at the cross. Say, God, with the heart and eyes of faith, bring me to the foot of the cross when Jesus was forsaken by God after being brutalized. That's how serious this stuff is. I love this because these angels are like, well, escape for your life, bro. Don't even look back. Don't collect $200. Just go and don't stop. And I love that old hymn. The world behind me, the cross before me, what? No turning back. You ever try and walk forward when you're facing backwards? That's what you call trip and fall land. I have kids who do. I love my kids. But man, they love to be walking this way and they're looking this way. You know, you, you try and catch them before they walk into the doorpost. A lot of us, is, we're trying to follow Jesus, but we're staring back longingly to the days of sin. And we wonder why we trip and fall and stumble. Man, we need to run for our lives. You might say, oh, Pastor Daniel, you're being so dramatic. No. God loves you that much to tell you to run for your life. Don't play. Run. Now, look what happens in verse 18. Lot starts to try and reason with the angels. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to them, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow the city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that city was called Zoar. And Zoar literally means little or insignificant. Now this in verse 23. The sun had arisen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt and ate. Now, this is where fire and brimstone preaching comes from. Because God's method of judgment was fire and brimstone. That's where the whole phrase, when someone's a hellfire and brimstone preacher, it's a judgment preacher. And I was just doing a little bit of that for you. We live in a day and age where people are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't preach hellfire and brimstone. I'm like, you know, I think we should preach whatever's in the Bible. You know, you can't scare people out of hell. I'm like, well, if they're not going to go nicely, we should try and scare them out of it, too. <laughs> I have no problem with it. Listen, 
I told this with my school of evangelism class, you know. It's like, I'm not going to out my son, but, you know, when kids hit about four, they get into that whole stealing thing. You parents have little kids, you know what that's like. I remember my boy Obadiah, you know, one day Lynn went shopping with him, and Obadiah did a little five-finger discount at Target, you know. He walked out with a little thing, and Lynn's like, hey, where'd you get that? He's like, I got it in the store. Well, we didn't buy that. Yeah, I know. I just took it. So Lynn, God bless my wife, she took him back in the store. He had to go to the clerk. He had to say, I'm sorry, I took this. You know, and it was hard for him. He was scared, you know. When he got home, I said, Obadiah, man, you can get arrested for that. You four, you know. What does that mean? I'm like, the cops come and take you to sleep in jail. What's jail? It's not fun. No toys there. He's like, that doesn't sound good at all. I'm like, it's not good. You don't want to be there. Now that Maranatha's four and she's getting a little, that little five-finger discount, but I was like, no, 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 Maranatha. The cops will come. You'll go to jail. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, that's just good parenting. You know, like, I don't want my kids to go to jail. A little fear is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm not terrifying them. I'm not, like, you know, explaining all the cruel and unusual tortures he's going to get in jail. I'm just saying, look, you steal things and the cops are going to come and they're going to put handcuffs on you and they're going to take you to a place where you're not going to have any fun. There's no Legos there. There's no Star Wars movie nights there. There's no popsicles. None of that stuff. And nobody said, that doesn't sound fun at all. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to be there. A little fear is good. It's good. It's not a bad thing. Now, Lot's wife looks back and she becomes a pillar of salt. Now, what's interesting is it says she looks back. It means she looked back longingly, intently. She was looking back and she was like missing this whole thing. Like, oh, Sodom. And she got destroyed in the same way. And I think we want to make a good point about this is the reality is, is that, you know, if you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's 1 John 2.15. A lot of times we flee from sin and then we long for it. Like the children of Israel, when they were delivered from Egypt, they forgot the cruel bondage. Instead, they just remembered the meat that they ate. We hate this miracle manna from heaven, God, and that you give us water from rocks miraculously. We had meat in Egypt. See, a lot of times with our sin, we have selective memory. We remember the good things and we forget the bondage, the brokenness the heartbreak, the emptiness. We have selective memory. Forget that they were under judgment. She looked back and was like, oh, my homeland. Now, look at what it says. Verse 27, And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Now in verse 30, then Lot went up out to Zoar and dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters were with him for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And so he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there is no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all the earth. 
Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And it happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. And you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Verse 36, Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. And I just say, oh my goodness, this is gross. Now imagine this. They don't realize, Lot's daughters don't realize that God didn't destroy everything. He just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So they're out, they're dwelling in a cave, and they're thinking to themselves, there's no more men. We're never going to be able to have intimate relations with another person. We're never going to be able to get pregnant and do what people do. And so the older one's like, I got a plan. Let's get dad good and drunk, and we'll go sleep with him. I spent all day trying, what am I going to say about this? And the reality is, is there's really just nothing to say about this. The only thing I kept thinking over and over again is, you know, you can take the girls out of Sodom, but you can't take Sodom out of the girls. Now, I'm not saying all girls, you know what I mean? I'm saying, but, you know, it's, it's interesting that when Noah was delivered from the destruction of the flood, he ended up getting drunk, and there was a whole thing with the sons covering him up, and now you have Lot getting all drunk, and he ends up having kids with his daughters. You know, and we got to make the case. I mean, drunkenness is a sin, brothers and sisters. Drunkenness is a sin. And we all, if you've ever done that, you know what I'm talking about. You just do stupid things. You sin. You make bad decisions. Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a monker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by these is not wise. I love Ephesians 5, 18. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Man, rather than being drunk with wine, let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a great example because we should be under the influence of the Holy Spirit the way people who drink too much are under the influence of alcohol, except the difference is that when you're under the influence of alcohol, it's destructive and negative. But when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it's constructive and radically positive. It's actually the way we're meant to be. Way we're meant to live. Verse 36 Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. And the reality is, is sin has consequences. Lot was drunk. He, his daughter seduced him. He didn't even know what was going on. And now they have offspring. We know that Moab literally means from the father. And the Moabites, the children of Israel, had problems with them all the time. But we do have a Moabitess, Ruth, in the Messianic line, which talks about God's redemption. Even though the Moabites gave the children of Israel struggle continually, Ruth 
married Boaz. There's a whole book named after her in the Messianic line. Now we know, of course, Ammon as well, which means son of my people, also come up over and over and over again in the Bible as people who the children of Israel struggled against. Ultimately, destruction would come to both the Moabites and the Ammonites. You ever meet a Moabite today? An Ammonite? No, you can read Zephaniah chapter 2. You'll see that. I want to close with just a simple thought for you guys today. And that's this. God, in his perfections, has to judge sin for what it is. We can't call him perfect unless he's a righteous judge. But the reality is, is God does not enjoy judgment. And my prayer for each one of us today We do not want to make decisions that would put us under the judgment of God. Now, if you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. But I know a lot of Christians who put their faith and trust in Jesus, but their ministries and lives are not what it ought to be because they're making decisions that are keeping them from being the people that God wants them to be. And I think we need to judge ourselves lest we be judged. We need to deal ruthlessly with the struggles in our lives, and we all have them. We need to come alongside each other and encourage one another and hold each other's arms up and hold each other accountable that we would not be just another person who believes in Jesus but walks in a cheap form of grace. The Bible says be perfect as the Lord your God is perfect. Be holy as the Lord your God is holy. And would to God that we would take our walks seriously. If today was the last day you had on this earth, do we really want to waste the day doing the things we're doing? Do we really want to do that? Or do we want to be free in Christ, loving on people, serving the world at its place of pain, not focused on our self-indulgences, but being useful tools in the hands of the master craftsman, the master designer, to do what he wants for our lives. I read a chapter like this, and I just say, Lord, let us learn from the admonition. Let us not be like the men of Sodom, consumed with sin. Let us not be like Lot, dragging our feet When life is at stake, let us not be like Lot's wife, who when we've been delivered, we look back longingly to the days of sin. And Lord, let us not be like Lot's daughters, being presumptuous and creating havoc. Lord, let us learn from this and let us flee temptations and flee into the arms of our blessed Savior. Jesus is Today we solve the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the death of Lot's wife. Pastor Daniel showed how the longing for sin can keep us in danger both spiritually and sometimes physically. He shared how the Bible warns in several places to run from temptation and sin, giving the example of Joseph and the wife of his Egyptian master. It's good to know that God will always have a way to escape temptation. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share his new teaching called Isaac. You're going to see that God's going to keep his promise to Abraham and Sarah and give them a child in their extremely old age. But before that happens, you'll see Abraham falling into the same trap of not trusting God for his safety when traveling to other lands. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Patriarchs. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.